Take a toll as well. And the cat is on the ceiling. Is that like the bananas in the basket? (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Crime by the Bar. I'm Anna. And I'm Jonathan. And this is our second Minnesota mystery. Where we talk about strange happenings, unexplained cases, unsolved. Criminalities. Criminalities. I don't know where I was going. <coughs> I started with a syllable and then I lost it. That happens. Okay, Minnesota Mysteries. Something that's a bit up in the air. Mm-hmm. Mm. And hopefully a bit shorter, but we'll see what we do about that. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I have the feeling that yours is really horrible tonight? Did you tell me it's really horrible? I might have let that slip. Uh, we do have the worst first policy, and I have no idea what you're doing, but I'm pretty sure that mine is. Well, mine is kind of gruesome. It's. Um, you go first. Yeah, I'm going to go first. So, my crime took place in 1979. Hey, we're going for another oldie. Yeah. We did 58, we did 68, now we've done 79. Yes. Wouldn't it be interesting if mine was late 80s? Oh, and you're smiling. I suspect we might have a <laughs> trend or a pattern, or if not, we might have a next episode. This is not set up as well. <laughs> no, so no, weird. no. This is all just us picking our own random crimes and making sure we keep them secret from each other. Other than tiny, tiny clues of this is the country or this is... Pretty much just so we don't pick the same thing, which would be... Awkward. Uh, oh, how, how sucky would that be? I mean, slightly boring, but knowing us, we'd probably realize and like, okay, let's have a break. Let's research a new case. Yeah. Which, hey, if you're a Patreon, maybe you would hear that in the outtakes. Mm. (laughs) Who knows what happens otherwise? (laughs) So, yes, my crime takes place in 1979. On the 6th of January, the Tan family, who's full names I'm kind of hesitant to try to pronounce. This takes place in Singapore and I have no reference for the pronunciation of anything here. I'm going to mess up so please bear with me. I'm sorry. Feel free to send audio corrections and um, I'll do my best to fix it in the future. So we uh, we have the uh, Tan family. So it's a married couple and they have four children. Tan Kuk Peng, who was 10 years, Tan Kuk Hin, 8 years, Tan Kuk Sun, 6 years, and Tan Chin Ne. Tan Chin Ni, probably? I do not know. I have no clue. 5 years old. That's all I know. Yes. So, on this January day, the parents, who they both work for, uh, they had like a minibus uh, driving students to school. Mm-hmm. So at 6.35ish in the morning, they, as they do every day, they leave for work, they drive off in their minibus. And at 7.10 in the morning, uh, Mrs. Tan telephones their home. They live in a flat in a big block thing, uh, which he does every day basically to wake the kids and make sure, okay, now you need to get dressed, you need to go to school, do all that stuff. Mm-hmm. 
but no one answers. Uh-oh. And she calls again. She calls three times. No response at all. She, of course, gets worried. So she calls a neighbor and asks them to check in on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the neighbor goes to like ring the door and knock on the door. No response. So they manage to get back to their apartment a bit after 10 in the morning. They go in. Uh, the apartment is quiet. And in the bathroom, they find the bodies of all four children Whoa. piled on top of each other. Whoa. Uh, the children all had slash wounds to their heads and bodies in various degrees. What? The daughter had several wounds to the uh, face, like slash wounds. Mm. And the oldest son who was 10. His uh, right arm was almost severed. That's terrible. So, yeah, they just found this. And, like, they... Um, they all had these wounds. The pathologist's report afterwards stated that each child had a minimum of 20 slash wound each. So someone had gone berserk yeah. on these poor kids. But that's also, if they took that much time, they must have known they weren't going to get caught. Mm. Yeah, I mean, everything about this crime indicated that it was very much premeditated and very much planned. Mm-hmm. Uh, because like there were almost no evidence or clues left on the crime scene, the uh, perpetrators hadn't taken a lot of care in either like just not leaving any evidence or removing it afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing they kind of could find that was out of the ordinary was the kitchen sink had some blood stains in it when they went in and dug around there. And as if someone was rinsing their hands or rinsing exactly. the weapon. Exactly, they deduced that they were cleaning themselves up in the sink before cleaning the sink and then leaving but yeah so the police couldn't see a motive immediately they most of it kind of pointed towards some kind of uh, revenge killing why unsure there were some rumors but nothing confirmed and they couldn't really find anyone with a proper proper motive mm-hmm. but like there was no sign of forced entry mm-hmm. nothing uh, no items had been stolen nothing was reported missing the only thing was a chopper like a cleaver yeah. Which had been taken from the kitchen, presumably used in the attack, together, well, they knew it had been used in the attack, together with a dagger, which was presumably brought there, uh, but none of the weapons were found after that, so they huh. took that with them. So they, they brought everything with them? They took everything well, away? No, so the way I read this is they did bring a dagger, mm-hmm. but they also found a cleaver at, in the kitchen. Which they took and used cleaver and dagger, slashy, choppy, horribleness, and then took both of the weapons with them. Um, so they could only deduce that from the wounds, which should probably be more clear. So, yeah, I mean, they were just uh, attacked, like, n- no forced entry or anything, so they were obviously let in. Uh-huh. And then murders happened, and, like, that much on all these kids, the, uh, there were some... Um, thoughts that yeah the uh, oldest son might have tried to fight back due to the kinds of wounds he got and the, also arm, the thing? arm thing as well um but no they were just completely overwhelmed by this it looked like and um yeah the the police very much believe that the uh, murders murderer or murderers had intimate knowledge of the family and their history yeah one major thing that happened like two weeks after the murders yeah the parents got a um, card, like a postcard, for Chinese New Year's, which was 
taunting them with um, it written, now we can have no more offspring, ha ha ha, and signed the murder. What? Yeah. That's bizarre. That is kind of bizarre. And the police were th- definitely considering, okay, this might be like a hoax or someone trying to do something horrible yeah, to these people because, because they were in the media. Yeah, exactly. But there were some, like, there's, of course, intimate knowledge required, partially the fact that um, in this uh, postcard they referred to the parents with their like nicknames, which was oh, so they knew more them. of a they personal knew thing. They knew them. Presumably. And, yeah, and also the fact that the mother, Mrs. Tan, had had a uh, sterilization procedure oh, after shit. her final kid. Yeah. And well, Who would know that? from the context, that is probably not something they advertise to everyone, I would assume. Yeah. But you don't know, yeah. So that was, it was considered possibly a hoax, but that looks to be possibly something real to actually taunt them did they look into the the postcard did they did they take it seriously they they did uh, do both they did i mean they investigated because they needed to know if it was real or fake basically but yeah they couldn't be sure but they did investigate and i mean it looks quite a little bit too accurate on things and did they find any motives or ideas for motives on who would go for revenge killing for the parents not really. The, there were some minor rumors, but I, I kind of hesitate to bring that up because there was something of, uh, I think it was in the block, something with some illegal gambling thing or so, but nothing came out of that and the parents couldn't really see anyone who would have any kind of, uh, some kind of grudge against them in that way either. Yeah. Yeah. And that was it? That was the only thing? Well, I mean, they kept trying, that was basically all they had evidence-wise. They kept trying to figure something out. Like, um, they interviewed hundreds of neighbors and uh, sent out a lot of pleas for, like, any kind of witnesses to this. But um, basically all the witness statements they managed to get were either, like, incoherent or hearsay or just straight up lies. Like, there were uh, there was some people who said they saw a couple, a man and a woman, one of them was covered in blood, exited the apartment, but that was just complete nonsense. It apparently. didn't didn't amount to anything they they disqualified that totally as a witness uh they had a lot of people because okay it was a big apartment block and all that and they had a lot of people saying like oh no no but i heard someone who said they witnessed it and a lot of stuff like that but then they couldn't find those people so they didn't get too much about that and no none of the neighbors actually heard the attack happen Mm. there was no cameras nope well i guess what 30 years ago 40 years ago 40 years be ago. 40 yeah yeah this is why i like cctv because <laughs> i'm i'm convinced at least now yeah well i mean we almost had this discussion with the last episode well i mean yes there's a fine line to thread like yes it's good to have you know access to security and evidence but then you can cross a line and go into the full-on south african compound and yeah. the rules of amounts of cats and everything. <laughs> yeah. And no one wants that. No. Don't limit my cats. <laughs> That's... So the, the final... Well, not the final note. The penultimate note on this mm-hmm. would be the... Um, they actually, a while later, got another witness report. Mm-hmm. It was a taxi driver who reported that a man in his late 
well, not late, but in his 20s in general. Mm-hmm. Um, at first, when I heard this, I kind of thought this would be a hoax as well because it sounded a little bit exaggerated. Mm-hmm. But uh, so this guy was described as a man in his 20s who walked with a lurch. Uh, who had gotten into his taxi. It was relatively close to the apartment uh, block there, but not directly there, mm-hmm. at around 8 in the morning of the murders. Whoa. Which is, yeah, timeline waits. So the taxi driver noticed that there were blood stains on the side of his uh, body, I think the left side, <laughs> and that he carried a knife to the point that the knife like banged against the taxi door when he was closing it or something. Uh, don't know how long it took for him to get, you know, come forward with this or what happened, but he did come forward in the end. And so he gave a detailed description of the man and the face and the father of the Tom family. He matched that to a neighbor. So it was a uh, young man who often like visited their flat to use their phone, uh, like almost daily. Like the family knew him. Why would a neighbor um, be visiting though? might not have had a phone of their own or but why would a neighbor who's not close be taking a taxi i mean i know maybe just take a taxi get as far away as possible dump weapons get an alibi yeah maybe like yeah 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 stay away yeah. Uh, but but yeah so but i mean this guy was like really close and it kind of makes it worse but the uh, family knew him as you know they called him uncle and oh. uncle blah 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 and yeah, he was not a strange sight to have come around the apartment. So the police got this guy. They uh, put him in a lineup, and the taxi driver positively identified him huh. as the guy he was talking about. Yeah. But the neighbor was released two weeks later. Yeah. Due to they didn't have enough evidence. And, wow. Yeah. And that was it? That was basically it. They couldn't. They couldn't find any more suspects. No arrests or anything were made. Case didn't progress. I just. I find this completely crazy. It is kind of crazy, yeah. If it was a revenge killing, it's pretty heartless. Mm. I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to kill your family. Yeah, but I mean, like, well, to revenge to someone, I mean, that is such more. I'm not going to say efficient, but harsher revenge. Oh thing. no, completely. Yeah. But I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, the this is a horrible case. Four kids, like, not even like, quickly killed, just not stabbed, just slashed to death, basically, which is horrific. But uh, 80 slashes between four kids, minimum. Yeah. That's horrendous. But on, I mean, it's not the lightest thing, but the um, after the murder, a couple of years later, they uh, did, like, the parents were, of course, devastated very lonely they did for a while try to um like sign up for adopting kids Mm -hmm. with no success but in 1983 uh, at the age of 35 uh, mrs tan had underwent a sterilization reversal operation i didn't even know they could do that they could and it was successful no way in 83 she gave birth to a baby boy so, I mean, it's still gruesome, but that is something, at least. Like like you said, I didn't know it was possible for that either, but apparently. And that's that's my story. It's 
not much long. We don't have that many details, but that's why it's a mystery as well. But that's so sad. I did definitely um, bring up and um, uh, list the neighbor, the uncle guy, because it's it really stood out to me. But but yeah, like no like evidence and like no technicalities or such. It was just no, they couldn't make a case for this guy, which might indicate that there was no case. Maybe taxi driver was confused regarding the blood and whatnot maybe it was just a butcher who'd finished yeah. you know his first shift it's possible it's possible and i mean they didn't get anywhere else like uh, the neighbor called uncle yeah. uh, a while after not unsurprisingly uh, regardless of guilt or not but he moved away from uh, that block in that part of the city they don't detail where he went but he moved away with his sister, they say, so I'm assuming they were living together. But I find it really strange when siblings live together as grown-ups. I just cannot relate. Uh, yeah, I mean, depending on where you are in the world and the amount of resources and space available, it can happen. But yeah, I do find it weird. I do find it weird. Mm. Tell us your weird sibling living together stories. It's in the min or I know crush our prejudice and just tell us how amazing it is to live with your sibling. That would yeah, be interesting as well. send us some happy stories about living with your sibling. Yeah, we could do some uppers. Yeah, like your story. Mine is not an upper. <laughs> um, I have a question. If okay, the person who did that, mm. do you think it was the only murder they committed in their life? I mean, it's tricky. Like. This was such a targeted and specific thing towards this family. Yeah. Like, partially the setup, the cleanup, the target, and the card and everything. Like, I, from the general setup of it, I would assume that, no, no, this could be a one thing to get either I know, revenge or whatever they needed. They couldn't really ascertain anything from outside of the actual killer or killer's perspective. But at the same time, slashing four kids to death i mean once you cross that threshold are you ever coming knows? back yeah Ugh. i i can't imagine you can do that once and live with yourself you either do that many times because that's you mm. or uh, well you, you know you know what i mean like either this guy did something so bad or you know the one of the parents did something so bad that um this person felt like it was justified um yeah. and even then it's one thing going i'm getting revenge on these people but to actually follow through and do that to four kids mm -hmm. five years old to ten years old four kids yeah, who isn't like even of course that would be the most you know devastating type of revenge but no but actually but following even, through on that yeah and following through on the people who you don't really want revenge yeah. because what? presumably there would be no beef with the actual kids no you think and then adding the fact that they are kids and four of them possibly screaming for their life and, it's and like, watching oh. the other ones yeah yeah, yeah. that's you like you can you can't do that and, and <clears throat> And be a normal person afterwards. Plus as well, you know, how oh, is there something that bad that happened that didn't come out? I mean, maybe maybe it just was never released to the press, but how did the parents wrong someone so badly and it wasn't yeah. outed as a motive? Yeah. And 
if it wasn't something terrible, then is this person just walking around feeling wronged by people and killing their kids? Maybe they just moved on to poisoning afterwards? Yeah. Might just go into bar, order a drink, get two straws that make funny noises, and then <laughs> like, oh, this bartender needs to go. There we go. Does he have any pets? Does he have a boat? I'm going to sink it. Mm. Mm. No. Bad. I'm sorry that was a rough one, but... Um, yeah. Kids are not alright. <laughs> they definitely not. Mine, Mine's from uh, the US this year. This time. Um, and it's 1988, so we are going a decade up each time. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, yeah, kind of weird. Um, Okay, I will tell you my story. It is, you may have heard of it, I don't know. Um, I hadn't. It is Michaela Joy Garricht. Hmm, I'm not sure, to be honest. Okay. Um, Hayward, California, in the US. So, at 10am on Saturday the 19th of November, 1988... Michaela took a trip to a nearby supermarket in Hayward to buy snacks with her friend. They left the store and they started walking home together, um, mm. forgetting that they'd actually come there in scooters. They were sitting outside the store. Mm. Mm. Um, that has happened to me. Have you actually done that? Well, okay, not specifically with scooters. No, because but I like... never on scooters, but yeah, yeah, like picking the wrong mode of transportation and leaving stuff behind. I don't know. Really? Yeah. What, you cycle somewhere and then you forget you cycled and then you decide to walk or tram home? Pretty much. Uh, that has been on the individual basis, but also like uh, I've gone places with friends in their cars and then we forget we had a car and then we start walking away. But yeah. Wow. I've never done that. <laughs> huh. Okay. Um, so, yeah, they realized they'd forgotten them and they turned back to where they'd left them. But one of the scooters was missing. Michaela spotted... Um, her scooter further down the parking lot. It's sort of like a strip mall. So she spotted it a little bit further down where it had been placed near a parked car. She she went to get it and when she bent down to pick the scooter up by the handlebars, a man picked her up with his right arm around her waist and threw her into the car as she screamed. Michaela's mm. friend ran inside to get help, but the kidnapper drove off with her um, and the friend was the only witness. Hmm. They were nine years old. Whoa. Yeah. So... I can imagine she did not remember the license plates. No, I, I'm kind of, I'm amazed. They they have a sketch of the uh, of the guy who did it, and it's it's pretty good. Like it based on the nine year old. Yeah, she was the yeah. only witness, and considering the description she gave, I'm I'm really impressed she even got that far. Because on the one hand, nice job, girl. Like mm. you. Yeah, that's scary. Um, You've just seen your friend get snatched. Mm -hmm. And and this is, you know, Saturday morning, super busy. And you're just snatched and chucked in a car and no one else sees it. No one else, you know, reports it. She has to go in into the shop and like, well, I guess freak out and... uh, And get the police. But yeah, the, um, the description of the kidnapper... He's described as a white male in his 20s. He could have been late teens, early 20s Mm. um, at the time of the abduction. The most distinguishing characteristic was that he seemed to have severe acne or pockmarks on his face. He had shoulder length, dirty blonde hair. He was about six feet tall. That's uh, 1.83 meters. Why, thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and he had a slender build. 
the the friend described him as having fox-like blue eyes and wearing a white t-shirt and yeah the age range was about 18 to 24 the guy looks really young he Mm. also looks he looks like almost anyone yeah the pockmarks were significant enough that they could have been boils they could have been bad Mm. acne and the shape of the eyes is very um it it looks like if you've drawn the perfect cat eye in eyeliner and then mm. you just wave a magic wand and make your eye look like that, <laughs> it it looks like that. And he, in in the sketch, he has the most piercing blue eyes. Mm. There was a, so the initial sketch was a black and white one and they did a color one and the uh, the witness couldn't couldn't say it looked like him. She was happy with the black and white one but couldn't say the, the color one looked like him, oh. which is also kind of limiting then. Yeah, I'm still really interested in looking at the sketch. Mm, I, I'll, the I have pictures. We'll uh, put them up on the website. Mm-hmm. Um, but so you said like late teens or early 20s. Like 18 to 24. I'm not sure why, but that kind of weirds me out. More it well freaks me out more. I always yeah. associate like snatching kids as being a creepy old man crime. I think you're conditioned to believe it's only a certain type of person perpetrates mm. these crimes. And it also gets me when there's women doing this stuff oh, yeah. because it's yeah. like, what do you mean? Like, if you're a kid and you're in a, a scary situation, you're taught, go to a mum, go to someone, go to a woman who has kids with her and she will help you. That's always like, I don't know about you, but that's always what I was taught as a kid mm. that are security guards. So it <laughs> freaks me out whenever there's like security guard or policeman or or a, a woman with a kid who's yeah. who's doing that it just yeah. but this is kind of the same thing yeah i agree it's it's really freaky that it's some young guy yeah yeah um the abductor drove a large older model american made sedan hmm. i that's one thing i would really suck at describing a car yeah it, same here it was blue i, I think. know i can off the top of my head mm-hmm. identify um so yeah, like I could basically identify two car brands, partly Volvo because big Swedish thing, and also the fact that their logo is them spelling out Volvo. So kind of helps. helps. <laughs> um, the other one might be uh, Volkswagen because that's identifiable. Okay. So I will show you the pictures. We will put them on the website of the abductor. Um, yeah, he drove a large older model American-made sedan. It was possibly a four-door vehicle and was either cream or tannish gold in color. Mm. The car may have had cement splatters in the sides and lights set into the rear bumper. Aren't they always set into the rear bumper? I don't think any of them set out like bug eyes. It should never be in the bumper, especially not on the V, right? Well, above the bumper? Oh yeah, I guess not in the bumper because the bumper is for bumping. Yeah. It's not a bumper car. And even (laughs) if it was a bumper car, there'd be lights in the area not in the bumper yeah. mm-hmm. but so you the way you phrase it like what may or may not have had cement stains on it yeah um the because... car no they said the car may have had cement splatters on the sides and light set into the rear bumper um, the cement like the light i can get like okay i'm i'm not sure if i remember what it was but like having cement splatter which is a very specific thing uh, some kind of yeah i i mean you've got to remember this is coming from a nine or ten year old kid yeah that's the only witness like i think we're really lucky to even have this much but i think that's also so dangerous because can you imagine the police trying to push her for information Mm. and you just want to make the grown-ups happy 
Mm. Like how many how many kids that age are gonna be self aware enough to to say I don't know I don't know they they're just gonna yeah. start trying to answer at a certain point and I hope all of this is super accurate but at the end of the day it doesn't change the outcome. Um, it's easy to get your own brain to fool yourself as well. Yeah, completely. You know, you know, there must have been some some like identifiable thing about this. Maybe it had something and then the thought is just planted there. But that's the thing. It could be the car equivalent of pockmarks and she's thinking of the guy's yeah. face and then it's like, oh yeah, there, there was there was something weird about it. Um, it was also described as, uh, yeah, the front bumper was battered. The vehicle appeared run down as if it had previously been an accident. Mm. Um, actually, it does say the car was last seen speeding south on the Mission Boulevard towards uh, nearby Union City in mm. California with um, with Michaela inside. So I, I have no record of anyone else seeing it, but, but maybe it was seen by someone else. Mm. Again, this is going back to the same thing again. This is why I want more CCTV. Like I said, I do see your point, but yeah, striking balance. Yeah. Um, that is pretty much it for the incident. Um, yeah. So Michaela's kidnapping led to one of the most extensive police investigations that the Hayward Police Department had ever uh, done. They received 5,000 tips in just the first year. So it, it happened in 1988, but by 1994, the Daily Review reported that the police had followed up on 15,000 leads. Whoa. Yeah. And it was more than two decades later when uh, they, they confirmed they're still looking into it. It's still considered an active investigation. And the chief investigator, uh, Inspector Robert Lemkin, declared, we'll go anywhere, any corner of the earth to bring Michaela home. It's actually still an open case with the FBI and they believe they can solve it. So they still haven't found anything that might be indicate that she uh, is is or is not alive. There there no, the simple answer is no, mm. but there are some sad related things. So like Do you know who JC Lee Dugard is? Don't think so. So JC Lee Dugard was um was abducted in June 1991 and they they finally found her in 2009 hmm. so she was abducted when she was 11 and they they found her when she was 29 Nine. yeah and she fathered a couple of kids by um the person who had abducted her she fathered she wow she didn't father a couple no of kids. she um <laughs> yeah she she had a couple of kids when in captivity so you work that out mm. it's not that the whole thing is horrendous she's um been involved in a lot of docu documentaries about her case she also wrote a couple of books about it um and she is just trying to get on with a fairly normal life but she mm. you know she was happy with her name being released to press but it's um yeah so the guy who kidnapped her um philip garrido he was in the area around the time um, this little girl was taken. Mm. So there's been a lot of speculation that perhaps um, he was involved in it. And bear in mind, even even with the J.C. Lee Dugard thing, he, mm. he pled not guilty. Like, oh. yeah. Like even after he was imprisoning this girl slash woman for 18 years. Yeah. With his uh, girlfriend. She... Girlfriend or wife or life partner or something. Oh. They had a ridiculous amount of evidence. Like... <sighs> Aside from the way he was caught, 
and the whole DNA thing on the kids and everything else, like he's he's he claimed he uh, pled not guilty. Um, so if he pleads not guilty to that, I just because he says he's not involved in this does not mean anything. Well, no. Um, but how about like descriptions and timing and stuff? Could that match? Yeah, it could have, and oh. he also had a vehicle that could have matched. Um, oh. so. JC Lee was abducted a couple of years after, so she was abducted three years after. Um, Michaela was abducted, so it, it is possible. The other thing was, I looked up pictures of him when he was younger, and it's not it's not 100%, but it's not far off the, um, the sketch. Like, if you saw him and you saw the sketch, you know, when he was that age, yeah, hmm. it fits. Is it exactly like him? No. No, but then also considering... Like, the kid that yeah, yeah. nine year old yeah. the most surprising things about it though he has piercing blue eyes and he has pockmarked skin he's also slim that's, build and about the right height that's a lot yeah it's creepy it's yeah. super creepy um there were a lot of weird suspects within the investigation there was a guy who mm. you know got involved and offered to help but he did that with a lot of missing girl cases around the time and he is a very mm. very strange individual they there were a lot of people that also pointed out the photo um sorry the the composite sketch um looked a lot like uh one of the speed freak killers it was a a serial killing duo from mm. the the 80s as well and mm. um, but looked really really like one of these guys but um oh. uh, apparently it, it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been very likely if mm. it had been possible but yeah so, so uh, this guy his uh you said he had a girlfriend uh no this was the one who abducted jc lee dugard yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 but but he was he was looking at like it seemed like he was a good candidate for could be yeah as well but the girlfriend like was she on his side oh yeah think? completely oh, okay she was totally complicit in the whole thing okay she I don't want to say she's worse than him but it it goes back to the whole wow the guy who snatched her looked eighteen to twenty four it's like yeah. you you kind of you expect certain behaviors from certain people and I know we shouldn't be falling into that trap but. It, it takes a whole different level of adjustment to to look at this woman and go, your partner has abducted an 11-year-old girl and is raping her and imprisoning her in your backyard, fathering kids with her, and you're behaving as if this all is all, all right. Yeah. Um, like... Yeah, no, no. It's it's a special kind of sick person that can do it. It's it's a mm. different kind of sick person that can stand by and let that happen. Yeah. I mean, even if she'd have walked away, that would be I mean, still horrendous to walk away and say nothing, but yeah. but defending Yakov as well, I mean that is uh, Yeah, like it, she ridiculous. she's in jail now as well. Mm. Like she was completely complicit. Mm. So again, we, we wouldn't we wouldn't know if I'd imagine if he did this with J.C. Lee Dugard and, and he'd um, had her along for the ride, then if, if he'd have done something three years earlier with Michaela, mm. then either his girlfriend knew and went along with it or, mm. you know, maybe it was the first one and she didn't know, but... Yeah. Isn't that awful? It is. This is a different kind of dark, but still... Yeah. Kind of darkness. Um... So it's it'll be thirty years this year. 
since she was abducted. Um, her mom actually still has hope, which is, it's sad, but it's also, you know, good for her. Mm. Every year on the anniversary of the kidnapping, uh, people go to the location where the kidnapping took place and they tie ribbons um, to the tree near where the kidnapper's car was parked. Mm. Her mom actually still keeps a blog dedicated to her daughter. Mm. There was one thing that really stood out to me on it. Well, there were a few, but... 30 years later. 30 years later. Sorry, yeah, 30 years later, I'm... Me and time were not on good terms. Yeah, 30 years later, though. Yeah. She, um, her mom seems like an incredible woman who's Mm. really... it, It was her first kid, and... I mean, you can't replace a kid. Whenever you said about the um, that family who, you know, they, I'm so glad they were able to um, to have a son mm. at the end of it all. But it it can never replace it. No, of course not. Of course not. Like I, I mean, yeah. Mm. At least they have someone new to love, but it's not mm. the same. Yeah. So here's one thing that really stood out. In the blog, she wrote about how. Um, in the years since Michaela disappeared, she'd come to believe that Michaela had some kind of premonition. And a week mm-hmm. before Michaela was kidnapped, her mom woke up early. It was about 5.30 in the morning, still dark outside. And she was surprised to find Michaela sitting at the coffee table in the living room with a piece of paper and a pencil in front of her. Mom, she said, holding the paper, I wrote a poem. Do you want to read it? And this is the poem. The people knock on doors of steel, the people knock, the people kneel. They think of things that aren't real outside those doors of steel. The people walk, the people know that outside those doors, the people know. The people think that you might say, the people think that they too may. They lack the confidence you have, they think it's real, the dreams you have, the dreams you feel. Okay, that is kind of creepy, yeah. Okay, Michaela went on to explain that she'd been awakened by noises in the attic. She said that there were people who had kidnapped, who had been kidnapped, and were being held captive in the attic. You know, she said, like the movie The Peanut Butter Solution. It's a movie about a crazy artist who kidnapped people and used peanut butter solution to make their hair grow quickly. The kidnapper then cut off the hair and used it to make magic paintbrushes, which painted pictures that came to life that you could actually walk into. So I'm going to say it again. I'm going to need to watch this movie, but... I know, I never heard of the movie before. And this is how the (laughs) mum describes the movie. In the blog, this is how she describes it. So yeah, she said um, that there were people who had been kidnapped who were being held captive in the attic... Of course, over the next few days, her mum kept probing her to find out a bit more about the whole thing. And at one point, she asked Michaela if she was one of the people behind the doors of steel. No, mum. I'm just... I'm not one of the people behind the doors of steel. That was a week before she disappeared. At least she didn't say no yet. Oh. Ooh. That would have been... Yeah. Not yet. Her mum wrote in her, in her blog... I've searched its words for clues as to what happened to Michaela, but I've yet to put that puzzle together. The only thing I keep coming back to is that what she said about the people who had been kidnapped and were being held captive. Mm. She didn't say it was about people who had been murdered. If this was a premonition then or a message that Michaela had left behind a clue, it would mean she's still alive. Mm. I, yeah. I don't want to say I hope she's still alive because... Yeah, that also has implications. Exactly, yeah. 
but her her mum some of the stuff in the blog is just unbelievable she seems mm. she's also um, had to deal with cancer and it, I mean this woman has not had an easy life mm. um, there was one final note one final thing that she said that I just think is nice to, to round out on mm. she says life not for the faint of heart but we can do it you too Michaela if you're out there I love you and that is my story this week. That's a heavy story. I mean, we've talked a lot about, in general, preconceived notions, especially when it comes to, like, um, uh, kidnapping kids and whatnot. Um, but, I mean, I'm leaning a lot towards the connection of the man I forgot the name of. Um, oh, I don't even care. Philip yeah, Garotto, whatever his name is. The horrible person. Arsehole guy. Because, like, one of my first thoughts... It was like one of my first thoughts when it come, came to um, hearing this case is like just having a, like you're just doing a snatching kid, driving off, mm-hmm. and there's neither a ransom thing and there's no body found recently. Yeah, never. That is like, okay, then there are limited amounts of options left. And I was just thinking that also preconceived notions, but... In my mind, that did not feel like something that would just happen once. I mean, we spoke about similar things uh, with our thing as well, but it fits way more with the other dude involved as well. There there were some supposed sightings of her everywhere from Mexico to the Mm. UAE, but I think that naturally comes out. You know, do you remember um, the Madeleine McCann story? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. then... There were sightings all over the world and then they had one really recently where it was um, uh, a woman in Rome who it supposedly was and she had mental health issues and mm. couldn't remember her name, I think. It, like the whole oh. thing was just so complicated and um, her parents ended up seeing the story and claimed who she was. Oh. Yeah, but um, so I don't I don't put much stock in the sightings, but the, the mum also did talk in the blog about the possibility of her... Um, her being uh, in some kind of a child sex trade thing or a people trafficking thing. Yeah, so it, it's possible it was child trafficking or... I I find that concept so difficult to understand as well. Just I, I get that it exists. I just, I, I can't imagine how people can be just herded, especially, you know, one at a time. It, it, I don't know. I, ju- I just don't get it. I, I find it totally bizarre mm-hmm. yeah there's there's no real conclusion on it and they never find anything they never find um they never find her things they never find signs of her they never had any proper leads to go on mm-hmm. so yeah. well uh, judging from the wonderful response from our first episode maybe some of you people know more maybe you've heard something or seen something yeah if you're from the local area give us a shot let us know what you think mm-hmm. Or just a different perspective on the uh, uh, entire story, basically. Yeah. And just let us know and we'll handle the information as it should be. Yeah. I have no idea what I meant with that statement, but sure. I like that. Let's um, see if we can end on an upper. Yes, we need an upper. Kelfie, do you want to come and say hello? Come and say hi. I don't think she'll make a meowy noise. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, she'll just 
gently caress the mic with the um, tail, I guess. Okay, I think we might just have to let her have it done here. Well, happy weekend, everyone. On that very, very strange note. Yeah. It doesn't feel right saying happy weekend. (laughs) Well, I mean, we do hope that you have a nice weekend and hopefully experiencing a lot of uplifting adventures on your own. Uh, So you get, you know, properly, positively charged and you're ready on Tuesday for our next proper episode. Yeah. Which um, might or might not be dire. I mean, it's crime after all, but we'll see what angle we take. It is Valentine's next week. We might react to that. Oh, goodness. That's true. Yeah. Mm. We'll have to see. Hit us up on Twitter and tell us what we uh, should be talking about, what we should be drinking. It's uh, at Crime by the Bar. And you can also email us. It's just crimebythebar at gmail.com. And you can find all of the lovely extra details on our website. Crimebythebar.com. Okay. Bye, everyone. Have a good weekend. Yeah, thanks again for listening. And bye. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't ask you to do those ones over and over. <laughs> Am I that bad? No, I just feel bad that you have to say the same thing essentially three times. Well, kind of, but hey, it's practice, and I do love the name of the podcast. Yeah, okay. Yeah.